Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Revelation. Tonight is study number 17 of Revelation chapter 19, and we're going to be reading verse 14. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And this is referring to um, following the Lord Jesus Christ, the, the word of God. He is the one who is called faithful and true, seated upon the white horse, and he is going forth to judge and make war. It is the battle of judgment day. And God says, there are armies in heaven which follow Christ. Now, the the way this sounds, we think, well, uh, it, it's speaking of angels or it's speaking of uh, those that are outside and apart from this world. And in some ways it is, as far as the armies of heaven, it, it's actually a reference to all of God's elect, and many of those elect have long ago died and, and been buried. And, and of course, the Bible tells us once a child of God dies, his spirit goes to be with the Lord in heaven. And, and those souls uh, that are under the altar, according to Revelation 6, that are in heaven... Uh, they also are coming with Christ in the day of judgment. But at the same time, these armies in heaven are um, including the great multitude, all those that God saved during the little season of the great tribulation period that just ended a few years ago and uh, while it's true that some or a few of that great multitude have died, true believers have died, and and they have, um, again, at, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Their souls went to heaven. But it's also true the vast majority of the great multitude is still alive and living on the earth going through this period of judgment day. And and yet they too are included in um, the sum total of God's elect in, in all whose names were recorded in the Lamb's Book of Life, and therefore they are a part of these armies that, that are said to be in heaven. But how can that be if... If we are here on earth, and and if you're saved, you're a part of that army as well as me, and, and all that are saved are coming with Christ to do battle during this time of Judgment Day. But how is it possible, while we're just going about our ordinary lives, wherever we happen to be in the world, that, that God can speak of us as being part of this glorious army 
following the Lord Jesus Christ upon his white horse, and there we are upon our white horses. And not only are we upon white horses, but we're clothed in fine linen, white and clean. Now, isn't that um, a tremendous picture? Uh, uh, if you could imagine uh, such um, a, a sparkling pic- uh, image of of this huge host, uh, a, a tremendous number of people that all are riding white horses. And of course, in the forefront is the Lord Jesus Christ, as it said back in verse 11, and I saw heaven open and behold a white horse and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true and in righteousness he does judge and make war. So there is Jesus in the forefront riding his white horse and of course he he would be shining with a brilliance like the sun um, all pure and holy and behind him or following him there is a vast uh, enormous multitude of horses all white and every rider is wearing um, this this fine linen white and clean everyone it, it would be a sea of white a sea of um, just a, a sparkling white color that everywhere you look and of course white in the Bible points to holiness and purity and it points to sinlessness and and Christ has no sin and his armies have no sin there there's not a single sin to be counted amongst the whole multitude of them and what a, a a vivid picture that would that is that God is drawing and yet again how can we be a part of that we're we're sinners we're uh, we're still in our physical bodies we we have not left this sin cursed earth and sin cursed body uh, we're we're seeing corruption we have not yet died how could that glorious picture be something that we would be included in. Well, we have to keep in mind this biblical principle concerning salvation that God tells us about in Ephesians chapter 2. In Ephesians 2, I'll start reading in verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace you're saved, and has raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And there is a very important scripture that at the point of salvation... God has made the one that he has saved to sit together with Christ in heavenly places. And, and, and so, uh, when God saved any individual, immediately it was as though 
that person was transported into heaven itself and, and there resides in Christ as the Lord Jesus Christ is seated at the right hand of God. We are seated with him in him. And that's the principle that God is using when he speaks of these armies. Now it, it also says in Philippians chapter three, and this goes along with, um, the verse in Ephesians in Philippians three, it says in verse 20, for our conversation is in heaven from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. That is, we look for Christ from heaven. Now, this, this Greek word translated as conversation, um, is Strong's number 4175, and it's only found here, but it's, uh, this word is derived from another Greek word in Strong's Concordance, which is listed as 4176. And that word is also translated as conversation, but also as lived. In Acts 23, verse 1, I have lived in all good conscience before God. One's conduct or life, uh, the Apostle Paul was saying, uh, he has performed before God. Now, that's the idea with this word, our conversation is in heaven. Remember, we read in Colossians that when we become saved, our life is hid with Christ in God. So our life, our conversation is in heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And and therefore, God um, counts the, the, each one that he has saved as being a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, uh, as being a part of New Jerusalem, as uh, as having their conversation in heaven, their name is written in heaven, and so forth. It, it's said several different ways. They each one uh, is seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And that is how the Lord can refer to these armies in heaven. And all the elect are in heaven, whether they are um, present in spirit, because they've died and their souls are there, and, and so they're, they're in heaven in that sense, or whether they are um, still living on the earth, but they are seated in Christ. God likens them all to being in heaven, and it is that one whole army of elect that that has come forth. Now, we can show how God uses this word armies to refer to, um, uh, first of all, a spiritual battle, and also, uh, it would involve the elect who were living on the earth. They would play a part in this too. In Matthew chapter 22, in the parable of the king which bids 
all to come to his son's wedding, we read in Matthew 22, and I'll, I'll start reading in verse 3, and sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding, and they would not come. Again, he sent forth other servants, saying, Tell them which are bidden, Behold, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fatlings are killed, and all things are ready. Come unto the marriage. But they made light of it, and went their ways, one to his farm, another to his merchandise. And the remnant took his servants, and entreated them spitefully, and slew them. But when the king heard thereof, he was wroth, and he sent forth his armies, and destroyed those murderers, and burned up their city. Now, in these verses, God is um, typifying the the New Testament gospel call to come to the marriage, come to the wedding of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the call goes forth, and and uh, the the word of God is despised. And then the king is angry, he's wroth, and he sends forth his armies to destroy the murderers that also had slain his servants, and he burned up their city. Now, when we we examine this, we find that this has to be referring to the end of the church age because God was very patient with with uh, the world. God didn't destroy the world as the gospel was going out. But the Lord allowed his word to be rejected and despised for centuries. And it wasn't until the end of the church age that God came to visit those in the churches. Had those in the churches slain the servants of God? Yes, by driving them out. Spiritually, they killed them in in many congregations. And so God came to visit, and notice it says, He sent forth His armies to destroy the murderers and burned up their city. And, and the city here would be earthly Jerusalem, the, the corporate church, which came under the wrath of God. But uh, was it a, an invisible army from heaven? How exactly did God send His armies, in other words, to burn up their cities. And the answer is that it was through the Bible. God opened up the scriptures. He ended the church age. He made known to his people the information that the church age had come to a close and it was time to get out. And spiritually, uh, as a result, the churches began to burn under the wrath of God. This was all done on earth, in time, over the course of the 23-year Great Tribulation period. And it's the same word, armies, that we have in our verse in Revelation 19 that, that says, And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses. And And likewise, it's a similar judgment. It's a spiritual judgment on the world. Uh, just as there was a spiritual judgment on the corporate church. And uh, if you continue to read Matthew 22, you find the gospel goes out again. God sends forth his servants a second time to 
to beckon people on the highways and byways to come in and and then they're all brought into the marriage feast and that would relate to the gospel going out um, during the second part of the great tribulation after the church age had come to a close and God had that worldwide proclamation in which he saved the great multitude but uh but uh, anyway in in our verse in Revelation 19:14 the armies which were in heaven that is they had their spiritual um citizenship in Christ in heaven followed him upon white horses clothed in fine linen white and clean now let let's go back to the earlier verse here in um Revelation 19 in verses 7 and 8 it says let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him for the marriage of the lamb is come and his wife has made herself ready and to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen clean and white for the fine linen is the righteousness of saints well that that's the same language we have concerning the fine linen in verse 14 regarding these armies that that are following the Lord Jesus. They're clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And regarding the bride of Christ, it says she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. It's the same entity. It's God's elect that's in view. The bride of Christ is made up of everyone that God has saved. She's made herself ready. All have become saved. The armies in heaven are comprised of everyone that God has saved. The army is complete because God has completed his salvation program. And the bride is clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And the armies in heaven are clothed in fine linen, white and clean. Notice it says at the end of verse 8, the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. And we've discussed this before. We've gone over it. Uh, there, There is much uh, error uh, involved with the word saint or saints uh, concerning some churches. They, they have uh, really twisted and done awful things to the Bible's word, that particular biblical word, the saint. They have caused people to get ideas in their mind of statues and and dead, um, extremely faithful men and women. That that's who a saint is to uh, to many people. If you if you mention a saint, well, that person is a saint. They they may use it just as a figure of speech, but if they're thinking of an actual saint, they're thinking of someone who did great deeds according to a certain church and has been canonized with sainthood. And and now they are an official saint. And, and that is not true. It's not how the Bible uses the word saint. And uh, I really would encourage anyone to look up the Greek uh, word. It's Strong's number 40. And just look at how God uses this word. For instance, in Acts chapter 
9. In Acts 9, we find it used a few times. Once in verse 13, Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he has done to thy saints at Jerusalem. Now, what evil did... This is reference to Saul of Tarsus, who would become Paul. What evil did he do? Well, he he gathered together Christians and would hail men and women and throw them into prison. That That's the evil Saul did to the saints. In verse 32 of Acts 9, it says, And it came to pass, as Peter passed throughout all quarters, he came down also to the saints which dwelt at Lydda. And then in verse 41 of the same chapter, And he gave her his hand and lifted her up. And when he had called the saints and widows, presented her alive. Uh, Again, it's just referring to people, true believers, God's elect. In Romans chapter 1, verse 7, To all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints. Now that may not be the best scripture to go to because it mentions Rome and and Rome identifies with the Catholic Church which is the one that has done such great violence to this word but it just means the true believers in Rome that is a saint is someone who is made holy by the blood of Christ and Christ when he saves a, a dirty rotten filthy sinner washes them perfectly clean. That's why they're clothed with this fine linen, clean and white, said to be riding upon white horses. They're pure and holy in the sight of God. God sees not the the smallest sin or, or any sin at all. And they are a saint. A holy one is what it means in God's sight. And and this is what God says concerning these holy ones, these people that he, the Lord Jesus, has made saints through salvation. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, it says in verse 2, Do ye not know that the saints shall judge the world? And if the world shall be judged by you, are ye unworthy to judge the smallest matters. See how God defined the word saints. He's speaking to his people. Know ye not that the saints will judge the world? And if the world will be judged by those um, extremely faithful few dead individuals, no, God doesn't say that. He says you. If the world will be judged by you, because if you're a true believer... You're a saint. And if this other person over here is a true believer, th- that person's a saint. There's an enormous numbers of saints. Uh, anyone and all that God has saved is a saint, counted to be a saint in the sight of God. And this is why Jude tells us in that little epistle right before the book of Revelation, It says in verse 14, And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, 
Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints. Ten thousands. And the number ten in the Bible, or multiples of ten, points to completeness of whatever is in view. Christ is coming with a complete number of his elect, all those made holy through his salvation. And we have confirmation that that is an accurate understanding when we go to Zechariah in the Old Testament, Zechariah 14, and in the last part of verse 5, it says, And Jehovah my God shall come, and all the saints with thee. Jude said ten thousands of saints. Zechariah is speaking of the same uh, grand event and says all the saints because the uh, the number ten thousands points to the completeness of all the saints and they are the armies of in heaven they are the bride of Christ they are the ones following the lamb and entering into the the battle of judgment day as as god said again in 1 corinthians 6 2 know ye not that the saints will judge the world and and here revelation 19 is describing that process jesus and his saints jesus and the armies in heaven jesus and his bride during the marriage supper of the lamb Jesus and his elect, all of the elect, those that have come before them and those that are alive presently, living and remaining on the earth. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.